tune is Echo. The name of the band is The Autumn Kings. I am your host, Larry V. For this, the maiden recording of the podcast, The Nitty Gritty, where we will attempt to do just that, get to the nitty gritty of all of the good things and all of the good people in the world. And if we happen to stumble upon them, perhaps some of the not so good things and not so good people around the world. But today, for the maiden recording, we have a couple of the very good and talented people of the world. We have Jake Diab and we have Joe Cochimilio Got it. from the Autumn Kings. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to be How here. are you? Doing great. Congrats on the new podcast. This is awesome. We're rocking and rolling. Uh, <laughs> Never been better. Awesome. You know, I feel really fortunate to have you guys sort of um, as the conduit into this world that I'm not accustomed to. Hopefully, uh, you I can pick up a, a couple of things from your greatness. It's like sitting in the, the midst so of kind. MJ or, or uh, uh, other legends, but you guys are certainly uh, legends, certainly in southwestern Ontario, and I know you're working really hard to even go beyond that. And we'll, you know, we'll get into the music and your incredibly vast CV, and it's almost, speaking of the CV, it, it, it almost doesn't reconcile to me when I look at the body of work and I look at you guys. You guys are still very young people and please don't take this the wrong way you're <laughs> you're in your mid 20s you're in your early 20s and it's it's been an incredible journey but we'll, we'll get into all that but first i just want to ask you you know uh, we're in uh the midst of this covid craziness mm -hmm. and i just wanted to get your sense of this last six to eight weeks for the each of you has it yeah. been um a reflective period have you has it been a creative period how have you guys been keeping busy and uh sort of looking forward mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly i think it's a little bit of both like cre creatively we have we're working as hard as we we yeah. when we do when we're fire. together you know what i mean yeah. there's facetime calls there's writing on our own there's there's still schedule to get music going yeah on it's our been end. a big adjustment process because writing sure. online is a lot different than Sitting you know writing in person room. and having those spontaneous moments come to life so right. we've had to adjust i'd say it's about 10% less effective working through FaceTime, <laughs> but it turns out that, you know, we're sort of learning that it's a new avenue we can use if we're ever remote in different spots. Totally. It, yeah. Know? And it's also a reflective time, man. Like I think for everybody, I think yes. everyone's really sitting back because they're not working. Yeah. yeah. They're with their family. They're seeing, you know, you're kind of seeing what's important and what's not really. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. And I know, you know, just thinking about my own sort of, um, how I, yeah. uh, have evolved into a listener of music and sort of understand it. I know, some of the uh, post-World War II austere times when things weren't that great, that yeah. spawned an entire explosion of music, especially out of the British Isles, you know, Absolutely. the Beatles and Stones and so on. Mm -hmm. it, it's an incredible time. So I wonder, yeah. do you have you guys given any thought about the future of how this will affect the yeah. recording and production of music? I think so. You know, at least personally, sitting in a basement in isolation, having no really sense of, uh, you know, social conduct with anybody else has forced me to think about lyrics and music from a totally new perspective i've been doing a lot more writing as joe's been saying and i think subconsciously when writing lyrics it's going to come out a little bit differently and it's going to be influenced by the current circumstances of the world totally i really think so well they say like usually <laughs> bands they write songs about the road right there's a, yeah. how many songs are about the road or love and stuff like that now we're in such a new situation it's like what songs gonna come out of this yeah. so it's, it's gonna be uh, interesting yeah I'm really excited yeah yeah um and the other thing is just to what you were saying jake just now yeah that you've had to evolve your creative process 
talk about the creative process a little bit. Give us, me, an insight on how it works from project to project. Is it sort mm -hmm. of the same framework, the same approach? Do you... Like, talk about the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is there a legal pad next to your bed? Do you write things down? Do you yeah. wake up in the middle oh, of the night? How does it work oh, for you man. guys? All the time, Joe. Oh, this, tell, I mean, tell us. legal pad. I think our notes apps and our voice apps are open constantly. Yeah. That is like the new process. The two apps on your phone, the notes app. I'm not yeah, sure you know, those voicemail people, apps. People watching like this will know. And the voice memo app where you can pull out your phone. And if you spontaneously get an idea, you can record it then and there on your phone. Yeah. So right. that if 10 minutes later, you want to go back and reference what your inspiration was, you have that there in tangible format. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as for the process, we started off this band at a very trial and error approach to making Absolutely. music. I'd be sitting back with a guitar like this and just humming words that almost sound like gibberish until something clicks and one word sticks out that we accidentally said and from there we'd end up building an entire track from it now we sort of approach it a little bit differently where back then we used to start with guitar riffs and the vocals were <laughs> almost a means of servicing a guitar riff now we write with an acoustic guitar and we write vocals first and lyrics first yes if the lyrics and vocals sound first then we take it from there mm -hmm. and obviously back then and how long are we talking we're talking about five Five, five, years. five years ago yeah, and back then there wasn't anybody sort of guiding that process for you guys you guys were sort of figuring it out by yourself is totally. that right absolutely totally right. absolutely that's, you know that that's the hardest part you know i'm a guitarist and i love music like metallica and i also like guys like eminem and i try to just emulate that and i love the technical prowess that both of those artists kind of had but i never really looked at music through the lens of songwriting and writing great songs the way the beatles did mm -hmm. until probably two years ago before, it was almost a necessity to being in a band. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to have original music that we play. Yep. But really, I just wanted to play music and sort of show off our technical right. capabilities. <laughs> so it's interesting to see how the mentality has shifted as we've gotten to learn a bit about the business, how it works, what it really takes to be in a successful band. Yeah, it's, totally. that's really interesting. And interesting, that's a great segue, Jake, into my next question or my next the next topic I wanted to talk about. You guys have chosen, you probably unwittingly back in the day, you guys have chosen a notorious fucking industry. Yeah. It's oh. this, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you talk about through the grinder, this mm. industry puts people through the grinder. And I'm, I'm talking, my, my, my arm's length knowledge of this industry, you don't have to be a genius to figure out it grinds people up and it spits them out yeah. at a rate. I'm not sure there's another industry like it. Absolutely. I'm not, not just. You talk about the corpses, mm -hmm. you know, and all the the, the, the beautiful <laughs> yeah. and great musicians that have, you know, lost their life, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Economic ruins, oh. personal ruins. Sure. It list goes Absolutely. Yep. Does that, how does that affect you? Do you even think about, does, is that even a thought in your, like, yeah. what am I up against here? Mm -hmm. Does that, does that really? That's totally fair. And everything you said is true. And it's, I think, the most competitive industry mm -hmm. in the world, bar none. There's so much talent out there. And... It's quite the small industry. I think when we started this band and we were just getting to know each other, me, Joe, Tibor, we really thought about, okay, is anybody going to be addicted to drugs and are we going to have another Kurt Cobain situation or mm -hmm. Amy Winehouse situation where that can happen down the road? First, you have to make it, which is hard enough as is, and we're yeah. still ramping up and we're, we're getting there. But we knew from the very beginning that we had a good group of guys that weren't going to get caught up in that stuff. We're grounded. We have good family life. 
and we always ran it through the lens of entrepreneurship. And yeah. I think approaching it that way is something most bands, especially Axl Rose and Slash back in the day, they had the sheer talent. But I don't think they were looking at it like, hmm, I better manage my money once I get <laughs> yeah. successful. Like, you better not like, drink this uh, bottle of tequila. Right? You know? yeah. And with us, you know, thankfully, we're not 16 or 18 years old when we're making it like Bieber, where you get to the keys to the kingdom prematurely. Right. And all of a sudden, you don't know who your real friends and fake friends are. You can't trust people mm-hmm. on the business side of things. The fans worship you like you're a god. I could really see that twisting people. But now we've grown just, just enough so that we've got the battle scars and we've done the tours and other things like that, where when that big moment comes, I think we're all prepared and mature enough to take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the lead up to the podcast here, I did some prep work. I did a lot of prep work. I actually spoke to half a dozen people about you guys and your work and dealing with you. And I'm sure that shouldn't, I hope (laughs) that doesn't surprise you, but the number one thing, every single person as the, when I asked them, you know, just talk to me about the Autumn Kings, every single person, the first thing out of their mouth was the hardest working people that I've ever wow. dealt with. I was very yeah. kind of them. Appreciate yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, you know, to that end, I guess I'll start with an analogy and maybe you guys can talk about what you think. Jake, you just mentioned that the business is challenging and you've run into some challenges. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we were shooting the shit before we started here about, um, the last dance documentary, yeah, the Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan documentary, which is really fascinating. And one of the things that stuck out to me with all the accomplishments that Michael Jordan achieved and the greatness and the acclaim and fortune, he says that the challenges or the failures are much more vivid to him in his mm. mind mm. than any of the successes. And that's quite, that's uh, to me, that's quite something to say yeah. for a guy of his caliber. Right. Do uh, you guys have certainly had some, some ch- setbacks and some challenges. Yeah. How do, is, is it like, do they keep you going those challenges? Do they, do they drive you to be perfectionist sure. and to, Oh, I think they add gas to the fire every time. Absolutely. It's, there's an analogy to be, to be drawn. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think 100%. I think with guys like Michael Jordan, the reason they've gotten to that level of success and they're such high performers is because there's this little voice in the back of their head that keeps telling them, you're not just good enough yet. Even though they are, even though the statistics show that. And I think if that part of them was lost, then they'd all of a sudden start falling down the ladder and somebody else would take their spot as mm-hmm. king. So I think for him, the challenges are fair. It's like you said, it's the, it's the gas. It's fueling him. But I also think in many respects, that's the one thing where if you didn't have those challenges and setbacks, you would just end up going down the tubes and you wouldn't be anybody. Yeah, yeah I suppose they, they spur your growth. For, For sure. sure. It's supposed to hurt, right? Like the losses, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even right now with coronavirus, it's a perfect example. Mm. You know, I'll share something that is sort of top secret, but we'll have it for the podcast. Okay. You know, there's not, and hopefully I'm not jumping the gun here, but there hasn't been any touring, right? That is probably the last yeah. thing. Touring and sports games are the yeah. last thing that's going to come back from Huge all Huge gatherings. So our business is really, really hurting badly. Mm-hmm. Well, what that's forced us to do and the frustration that I felt going, I can't just sit here in the basement feeling <laughs> like a victim writing music and besides that going, well, where do we turn? So we've pivoted and we've started finding some new opportunities in the TV and film world where we're talking to TV shows, movies, and video games about getting our songs placed in there. And that's something that I never would have thought of if it weren't for this 
crazy world circumstance forcing me to think creatively as to how I can move this band forward and move this business forward mm. in these times of distress. So I think that's one thing, just like to go back to the Michael Jordan analogy, mm. feeling that pain and feeling that you're not good enough, you have to think of some way to rise to the top somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what sticks in his mind so much because he thinks hard on those times and totally. learns how to and, adjust and, and accordingly. The, yeah, exactly. The struggle makes you look at it from a different perspective. Right. right? If there was one way to make it in this industry, we'd be doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a million ways, right? And that comes from the losses and the wins. And to us, as a band individually, you know, we're completely different Absolutely. than the band next door. Totally. Yeah. So. And so, Joe, I, we're mm-hmm. shift away from that for a second. Talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> Formula One driver, um, professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the top. <laughs> Frontman for a band, <laughs> okay, is one of those things. I think. And do you think of do you think of yourself as a traditional frontman, or are you just one of the guys? How how does it feel to be a? There must be some sort of thing that clicks into your ego. And how how did you sort of? What was the metamorphosis it's, from? music to I want to be the front guy yeah. for this band. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I, did, I didn't even audition to be in the band to be the front man. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? It kind of fell in my lap, but like, uh, it, it, like not to sound quote-unquote cocky, but it came really naturally, to be honest. Like once you're on stage, and I think I speak for all the boys, once you're on stage, it's a part of you. It's like an extension of yourself. It's it's a different. It's almost a different person, but it's still a part of you. It's that it's that drive, you know, like that center of attention that everyone kind of has. You know, right. kids they're always grabbing the parents' attention. It's that that part of you comes out on stage. Right. So I think everyone can be a front man. It's just how far into that um, you know personality do you want to dive into? So you know. So when you were a kid, uh, you heard a tune. Did you were you in front of the mirror with like a a proper? I was constant singing is huge in my family. Okay. But it was almost, <laughs> singing is more of a comedic thing in my family. You know, my dad singing opera upstairs as a joke. But like now that I think about it and I think back, I'm like, man, I could hit some high notes just joking around. Yeah. And I never realized it until I was put in the situation where it's like, can I do this? Can I be the front man of a mm-hmm. band? And I just, I mean, you got to take every opportunity as it comes. And thankfully, it came really naturally. Yeah. That's the first show we did, 2015 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Strawberry Fest. You 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 might have you might have been I there. there. You might have been there. I couldn't I couldn't tell you any of the details, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was there. <laughs> For sure. It just comes, and I think we all feel that way. It just once you're on stage, that personality comes out of you full fold, man. And Joe awesome. Joe did such a good job at the Strawberry Fest. It was the first gig we ever did. June. It was the first time I ever sang in front of a crowd. Uh, and I remember my dad, who's brutally honest after every show, and he's you know you know he's such yeah, a huge yeah. fan and supporter of the band. And, and we had I had an old band before we met Joe and the singer wasn't nearly as strong and I remember my dad always saying oh this guy's pitchy this guy's pitchy <laughs> and then we did the strawberry fest and Joe was singing and I remember getting a call from my dad he didn't stay for the gig he had to go somewhere and he calls me and he's like you need to keep that fucking singer in this band. He's absolutely <laughs> That's it. awesome. Don't get rid of him. Keep this guy. Okay. Well, my dad's That's terrific. Him. That's yeah. awesome, man. Oh, yeah. that's great. Just a natural. It's fun. Thank you, man. Good. And uh, Jake, I, I know a couple times now during uh, just the few minutes we've been talking, you seem to have, uh, you seem to light up when we talk about the commercial aspect of music. And so if we were to just in an impromptu setting, do your resume, your CV, would you list entrepreneur as a skill? I I think at this point, yeah. When we started at 18 years old, we did this because we strictly loved music and we wanted to do whatever we could 
to make it to that stadium success. And we're still on our way to doing that. But we never thought of it through the lens of entrepreneurship right when we started. I would say after we were contacting people and ended up being our own agent, our own publicist, our own contract negotiator for shows, we realized, geez, this is no different than any other entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm -hmm. And our craft and product that we're servicing to people is music. And I think to all the music people who are going to be watching this, because I know there will be, they might look at that through a skeptical lens and there might be a negative connotation associated with that because there are purists who think, make the music and everything else is going to come. Well, I'm not sure what reality they're living in. And unless you have some super (laughs) in-depth connection, like somebody deep in in the LA scene or something like that, we're geographically dispositioned by being in Windsor, Ontario. So we've had to take on all that extra responsibility ourselves. And if we didn't look at it through an entrepreneurial endeavor, I think that would be irresponsible as musicians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And yeah, it's the the geographical um, uh, point that you just made is interesting one and it's it leads into my next sort of topic i know you guys spent six months or so was it in 2017 or was that in toronto Toronto? yeah yeah six six months in toronto yeah 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 Yeah. and um just describe how that was and sort of the 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 rationale behind going up there and then the reasons for maybe coming back yeah Mm. oh I mean, what, what I will say about Toronto is Toronto really was the like jumping off point for us creatively. Yes. Like being in that, we were together 24 hours a day. I mean, we, we didn't have a lot of money. So going out during the day, we didn't really do. We wrote all day. Yeah. Go to your room, write a song. Like that really got us in the groove creatively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think without that Toronto move, mm-hmm. like I'm very thankful for it because of that. Like we yeah. really fell into our own there. Well, yeah. So we were writing together during the day and living in a house. You could argue, well, you could have lived anywhere and done that. But Toronto in particular is the most competitive music scene in Canada, mm-hmm. which isn't saying that much in terms of the world competition. If you go to the States, there's so much talent. And in Canada, just by the fact that it's smaller, there's going to be less. But in Toronto, that was the most competitive place. So we'd go out doing open mic nights and yeah. we'd see some talented folks and some really, really good songs. So when we'd go back to our little house that night <laughs> in our little shack where we wrote the music, yeah. we were forced to sort of push ourselves to write better material and be as brutally objective about what we were writing as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big part of it. And we went there because it's obviously... It's the LA of Canada. I don't think anybody would deny that. Mm -hmm. But one thing that happened while we were there and the reason we didn't stay there longer is because when we were there, we're developing our social media all the while. And then something happened where we figured out how to market our songs properly. And all of a sudden we were reaching fans in Germany, Denmark, Romania, US, Mexico, Philippines, all over the place to the point where we were making some significant money off of that. And we decided, well, gee, we ultimately don't want to end up being one of those Canadian bands, and I'll say it, and I because I don't mean it in a bad way, but the Tragically Hip, where they're ultimately successful in Canada only. They're huge in Canada, but nobody knows them in the States. We felt if we were to stay in Toronto and keep pursuing the Canada thing, that we would risk being pigeonholed to being a Canadian band, and we did not want yeah. that to happen. Yeah. So that in combination with our social media following taking off, we decided let's relocate back to Windsor, save the rent expense, and start looking down south, pursuing Detroit, Ohio, Chicago, mm-hmm. and opportunities like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes total sense as well. You guys have the unique um, fortune, I guess, to, to be located in um, a city where you you're, you reach your arm out and you touch Detroit. Surrounded by yeah. everything. And you have the ability to work there legally. <laughs> and you're not going out there like a refugee or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, just straggling around from bar to bar trying to get cash gigs. But mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, and I want to pursue this a little bit further with you guys. Um, first, Jake, I want to ask, or to both of you really, 
do, I mean, it's almost an unfair question. Can you discern the American palette for your music versus the Canadian palette for your music from your fans? Very good question. Wow. I, I gotta think for a second. I, I think so personally, you know, in terms of it may be too nuanced. I, I don't, you know, no, I wouldn't expect no, no, no. you to have a straight answer. But so one thing I'm learning about, especially in the Detroit music scene, they love heavy rock music with serious subject Michigan matter in, in general. Yeah, Michigan in general, and I think a lot of places in the states, in Chicago also particularly, they love that kind of sound. When we went to Toronto, it was a lot of indie pop music That's and there's sort of a more eclectic taste like i'm a massive nickelback fan and i always get ripped on all the time for the sort of you know most people's guilty pleasure you know <laughs> the ramen noodle hair of chad kroger i love him but nickelback isn't a critic's darling a critic's darling is a band like radiohead or arcade fire they get that sort of love and i notice in canada there's a little bit of that i'd say more so than in the states to be honest with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in terms of like the stylistic difference and maybe the culture that affects that i do notice canadians have a more eclectic like when i hear a song i can usually you, pinpoint you know it's, it's canadian, canadian right yeah, i knew you're gonna like say i that. hear the sheepdogs or monster truck or tragically hip and i go yeah that sounds canadian and but if i hear a weekend song or drake it sort of sounds american to me in a mm-hmm, weird way even mm-hmm. though it is canadian yeah yeah. I'm not sure if that's on target with sort of what no, you're No, it asking. is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. And uh, just to close out on sort of the geography and, and uh, moving around, is there any future plan? Would you guys consider if the opportunity was right to maybe set up shop in um, North American city like Chicago or LA? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and the reason I ask is, I guess if you... If you're in finance, let's say I just pick on, on, on finance. Yeah. If you're in finance, if you're in... Uh, trading or banking, you want to be in New York. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, not just because it's there, but if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere sort of thing. Is that true? Right. Does that hold true, you think, in music? Do you, I mean, I guess you could get critical acclaim doing it from anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the hip or, sure, you know, sure. who, whoever. But, uh, it, like, unless, do you guys, would you feel, um, I don't know what the, the correct word but is. A better advantage uh, by being somewhere like that? Unfulfilled, let's mm. say, if mm. you didn't do a, a one-year stint in one of those in cities. LA or in New LA York or, like that. Yeah. I mean, we're. I think if the opportunities there, we're always down. We're we, we've talked about it multiple times. Like, we're, yeah, we're we're ready. So you know, uh, this is another secret we're gonna reveal to all the nitty gritty fans. Secret. But yeah. you know, we're we we've been toiling for many many months about relocating to a place like LA, which is the hub of music. Like yeah. you mentioned, New York finance. LA is entertainment, yeah. acting, comedy, <laughs> music. So we've certainly been toiling over that. It'd be much easier to have a really strong prospective opportunity lined up remotely so that we can mm-hmm. get there and know, you know, have a better sense of direction as to where mm-hmm. to go. But at the same time, if that doesn't come, you know, within the short future, obviously everything's pushed back with Corona. But if yeah. that doesn't happen in the short future, we'd certainly not rule that out of the question. Well, that's no, great. We're ready for any opportunity like that. So Nice. And, you know, from what I understand, you guys have... Um, already had some practice out on the road back in was it late 2016 that you guys got onto a tour bus and did the um live different mm-hmm. live different tour, tour yes. yeah yeah yes. four month tour and wow. talk a little bit about that and how was that experience because i think you know it was the first time you guys were away from home and then the first time that you're with each other for such a prolonged period was, of time yeah, yeah. right talk it about was, that experience i loved it i love i think i mean i loved being on the road and stuff like that and for a lot of us, it was the first time we've seen other provinces. Like I've yeah. never, I've never been to BC. Maybe yeah. I think you might have. Manitoba, Manitoba. But it really grew. Uh, I I love that tour too because it really grew our like performing chops. Yeah, like nice. we we got tight as a band, man. Yeah, we tight every day. You know, as musicians on stage and off stage, that was yeah. a big one. There's so many lessons, life lessons learned from that tour. 
I had just quit school. I'm 19 years old. I had a relationship for two and a half years where the person said, I'll always be there, always be there. Then we found out we're getting this four month, very difficult, nobody, even at the biggest superstar four months straight for four months straight Straight. that is unheard of not going home taylor swift doesn't go out for four months without seeing home we did not go home once that's incredible and so you know i had the relationship end that i never thought was going to end all Mm. these things going into this tour and then we have three young four young guys full of you know piss and vigor which we still are right (laughs) but absolutely you know and we're going out there uh sexually frustrated but we're also going gee are we going to be able to get along this is a real test because we'd yeah, only been a yeah, band for a year yeah. at that point and it turns out they were dude i can't even think of one bump in the road I while we're there we awesome, don't you know? argue like that's just so rare it's a canadian in us probably that's, that's the great no it's awesome <laughs> you know i think you really this is an old saying but you don't really know someone until you travel with them. Oh. I think you find out a lot when you travel with people. We learned it's a lot that, about each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so any good story? I mean, you guys got to spill the beans oh, here. I mean, yeah. and it doesn't even have to be PG. You know, oh, let's that, go. Yeah, we can swear. We, we, yeah, we can swear. Absolutely. What so, did we do? Yeah, we did don't, a lot of shit, man. <laughs> if people out there listening are offended, this is the wrong broadcast. This for, is the yeah, nitty gritty. Broadcast for you. We get into it. We're, yeah, we're going to say some <laughs> offensive things, and it, you know, probably usually from my mouth. It doesn't, <laughs> hope it doesn't reflect on the guests or anything. Thing, but uh, and we won't apologize apologize for it. And you can save your hate comments for Don Lemon or any of the other <laughs> losers that are on CNN. But sorry, sorry, I just just get in there. <laughs> sorry, guys. So Let's any go. good stories okay, from the road? Any, any anything that any good stories? We did a go? We climbed a mountain one time. I, I was driving this, this school bus. Right, oh. everybody's sleeping. Okay. And I cannot believe this ever happened. We're in the middle of Saskatchewan. There's nothing nearby. It's like ten at night. <laughs> I fucking ran out of gas. I, diesel, uh, diesel bus. Diesel bus. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't look at the gas that is that was totally empty. And oh, oh at the pivot man. off to the side of the road, we called some guy. Frank's one stop shop. Fucking yeah, we were stuck for like four <laughs> days. Stuck. Yeah. <laughs> we stuck. No, the other time, remember we were driving. We got the maps. Just took us on this crazy Google route. Maps, yeah. Google Maps. And we we were driving. Tibor, our bass player amazing driver we were honestly driving like on the side of a mountain or like oh, in hills fuck. remember that the, the roads shit. like i don't know if you've ever been to italy or anything like that the roads are very uh, narrow yeah, and the turns are tight and he's driving this bus and we have no idea where we're going <laughs> you were a little frightened oh i hate not you were a little i hate not being the one driving that's i was laughing because i mean that's kind of funny but you could honestly see down the like the oh, hillside fuck. like if there was wow. a turn where they hit snag the wheel man, oh, man. <laughs> But, so one of the most interesting stories, I don't know if this is crazy, but I would say in a way it is, we were driving to a place called Fort St. John. It was Fort Nelson, and Fort on Nelson. the way it was Fort yeah. St. John, this is BC, the, yeah. nearing Alaska. I've been to Fort St. John, by the way. Really? really? Yeah, there's a big gas plant up there. I went, you know, fun the place, wow. Jay. It's like, oh, oh, fun is the word, Joe. <laughs> hey, so we're driving, and again, T-Boy's driving. And uh, we're sitting there, we're all just having fun, whatever, drinking our coffees, freezing, and like toes are numb. You have to wear right? a we're coat on the bus. On the yeah. bus, we're in a coat. All have our headphones in. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, an Autumn King song comes on. We have the aux cord there. So I figured, okay, you know, Devil in Disguise is playing through. T-Bor is putting it on to pump our own tires and raise the team spirit. Yeah. And I'm like, watch that. Well, I'm like, what? Just like totally nonchalant. I'm like, watch that be like on the radio right now. That's, mm. That'd be crazy, we're right? Joke. Everyone yeah. thought he was playing a joke. And, you know, it's loud on the bus. So T-Boy couldn't really hear us chit-chatting in the back. <laughs> and then I walked up to T-Boy and I'm like, yo, you got the, you got Devil in Disguise plugged in the ox, right? He's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, he thought like, we had it plugged yeah, in the ox. Yeah, he's like, no, you have it plugged <laughs> in the ox. I'm like, dude, stop, stop playing mind. Stop effing around. No, we don't. 
And like, oh, okay, whatever. Well, we'll see at the end. But maybe after the song is done, we'll hear some sort of radio announcement. All right? Ha <laughs> ha. How funny would that be? <laughs> Lo and behold, right? Driving, driving. That was Autumn Kings on 101.5 <laughs> The Bear. The Bear. <laughs> we're wow. all jumping up. That was the crazy. We were in the crazy, middle man. of nowhere. 19 man. years old in the middle of nowhere, as far from home as you could possibly be. We're approaching Alaska, freezing in the middle of winter, yeah. right? All these things just happened. The dropping out of school, quitting our jobs, girlfriend breaking up, <laughs> and we're like fucking in the middle of nowhere. Like and our song, too, yeah. our song, Devil in Disguise, comes on the radio. At 19 years old, I'm like, that is incredibly surreal. So immediately we located, used our data, yeah. probably went way over the bill, and called the, the radio station and said, well, who is it that played this song? And they gave us the name. The next day we get to Fort Nelson. Some of their colleagues happened to live in Fort Nelson. We ended up meeting up with them. But like, think of how far away that is from where we are right now in the Windsor, Detroit area. It was just the, surreal, man. That it was really the most, was. And that was the ultimate validation, not only to ourselves, but to people around us. I was going to say, yeah, that must be an incredible, I mean, you, you sacrificed obviously so much and, you know, you, you obviously, or maybe not so obviously, I, I don't know, maybe you got homesick at some point and you started missing home. I right. mean, there were some relationship issues, which sure. I'll get to that in a minute too. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but you know, that's got to be an incredibly, it gives you a little bit more inertia to, to finish it right. Absolutely. To like, it was yes, amazing. you know, we're not doing this for nothing. I actually exist here exactly. in the world. I, I travel for a living too. And it's really interesting. Sometimes, you know, when you, when you're, especially when you're alone, I mean, you guys at least had each other, but when you're traveling alone, sometimes you, you almost, it's going to sound really bizarre, but you almost question your own, like, am I actually here? Am I mm-hmm. Like, well, does anybody you hello, travel so right. much? Hello, right? I, yeah. Where am I right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's happened a few times too, where I've had to actually go to the window and look outside. Oh, this is Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's great, and you you guys finished that up, and you probably learned a lot and spoke, interacted about how you could make the band better, more commercially viable, et cetera, et cetera. If you jog your memory here, so back then, what would you, what would you classify yourselves as? What what kind of band did you have? Was it rock? Was mm-hmm. it like what, what at genre? That time? Yeah, what genre were you representing at that time? It's a hard rock, hard band. rock band, yeah, we were rock hard band rock. for sure, traditional, yeah, hard rock band, like bass, drums, four, guitar, Stone Temple Pilots, bands. yeah, you know, uh, Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica, like just a heavy rock band, mm-hmm. and I, that's obviously a setup question because I'm gonna. I, I know you guys were like Jake, you know, I, I remember you playing in your early teens. I mean, some incredible Metallica riffs. Right? I don't know, that's where, you're, where, you know, where, where your sort of musical roots come from. Yeah. And then I listened to the song Echo, which mm. is your latest. And it, it's almost like an, it's an incredible transformation or mm. musical journey. It's incredibly nuanced music, mm-hmm. Echo. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal tune. And, and what would you consider yourselves now? It's very, what genre would you cover? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So we've sort of shifted. And like I mentioned earlier, we used to write starting with the guitar. And that's probably the Metallica that you were referring to coming out of me, the influence. <laughs> and now we're really focused on writing catchy melodies and words. So Echo is one of those where we tried to blend the two, the best of guitar riffs and the best of writing catchy melodic songs. But I'd say if you had, if you had a, a globe that you were looking at and you had the north and the south and you had the equator and the north was pop yeah. and the south was rock, 
I think we're walking that fine line. We're right in the middle, especially with a song like Echo. Mm-hmm. It's got the pop hooks, but it still has this still this appeal to the badass. Some headiness right? to it, like yeah, 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 somewhere right in For between. Sure. No, it's 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 so many. There's so many layers to the song. It's it's really well done. I mean, I'm not just oh, blowing smoke. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, you you guys know me outside of this. You know, yeah. I don't want to make this like some big secret that you know. I just bumped into you guys at some yeah. fucking coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, we know each other. I consider yes. you friends. I love you guys. So I love you and too. so, um, you know take it the right way you know i'm never gonna bullshit you i'm gonna tell Absolutely. you if i don't like something i just say it and yeah. but that song is right on it's very Thank very good very i encourage much. everybody to go uh find you guys and while i'm talking about that just tell everybody where to find you guys oh man uh autumn king's band on instagram uh, twitter if you type in autumn kings on facebook you'll see it pop up right away and for any music platforms like spotify apple music everywhere simply type in autumn kings YouTube, and boom you videos. get it. youtube same thing awesome. got everything you need mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect segue another perfect segue into uh, another topic social media the 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 love probably a love hate relationship with it absolutely that's um, a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. it but but you guys can tell me and jake and i t- spoke about this joe uh, mm-hmm. probably about six eight weeks ago or something we were talking about when I had the first the, the first inkling that we wanted to do this podcast and talked about social media a little bit and when and I'm it was coming from my perspective something that I did or caught myself doing so scrolling through YouTube I forget what it was it was some song from somebody mm-hmm. and you know I listened to about eighteen seconds of it and just click the thumbs down button and that you know that's about it. it yeah I, then I thought to my, you know I thought to myself and maybe people have these thoughts all the time and I'm just a Gemini is self-absorbed that doesn't think about it <laughs> but uh, but I thought god I just probably dismissed in in a stroke six months worth of work that's this guy put in right and mm-hmm. do you how do you guys condition yourselves because I know you you love your music you're obviously hard working you've dedicated your life this is going to be your career mm. how do you how have you conditioned yourselves to deal with the negativity and the stupidity that we find on social media? Great question. Laugh. Yeah. <laughs> we laugh. just kind of laugh. You can't take, it's just like water off a duck's back for, for us, for all of us. It's, you can't take that stuff personally, in my opinion. Yeah, there's, mm. there's two sides to it that I have to be honest with you about. There's one where it's the fans going, or I shouldn't say fans, haters watching going, Listeners, this is generic, whatever. washed up bullshit. That, I, I promise you with everything in me, that does not offend nah. me in the slightest. Mm. I laugh at it. Exactly. And it, if anything, it, it actually creates more engagement because hate is a stronger emotion than love. <laughs> so when somebody from the outside who's unsure of this band sees an ad come up on their Facebook and they see all these hate comments, they actually want to know what the hate is about more than if they just saw, I love this, I love this, I love this. Why are people hating this? They click it and maybe they won't admit it out into the ether, but they'll think to themselves internally, oh damn, this is actually really freaking good. Yeah. And in secret, they'll use their word of mouth and they'll show their friends and family about it yeah. so in that respect it's worked to our advantage but the second point the one that's a little bit hard to take and i'm just going to be forthright because it'd be so easy to say oh nothing bothers the one thing that's bothersome is when people misconstrue a band on the come up doing everything ourselves and the confidence and enthusiasm we have when they misconstrue it as being arrogant mm. that is the one thing that is sort of a little tough for me to digest because then it becomes Less about the merits, the artistic merits and your subjective opinion. If you think it's generic, okay, fine, whatever. Like, what are we going to do? Everyone has their own opinion. That's fair. But when it crosses into the line of character attacks and character assaults, that's something that's been a little bit tougher to digest. And, you know, for those reasons, I'll be frank, you know, we try to really keep a low profile personally on our socials mm-hmm. and have it be right. Autumn Kings that people Focused focus on. the on. band. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. That's great. And um, the, the other part, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about was, 
we, we spoke a little bit before we started mm -hmm. here today about our backgrounds um, and just sort of being multicultural. Mm -hmm. All of us, <laughs> either our parents were born in the old country or mm -hmm. one of the parents was born in the old country and has it, all of, or both of you have incredibly diverse musical background in terms of the, your cultures. Mm -hmm. Has, have you gotten into touch with that part of your culture of, like, of the music, the musical part? Yeah. Well, for me, it'd be Italian music. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm full Italian. Like dad was born in Italy and everything like that. And I think, I mean, if I really think about it, it definitely comes, if you listen to Italian music, it's all like loud. It's all, you're dancing when you hear it. It's yeah. very energetic. And I think it does come from that. I remember like parties when I was a kid, someone's out with an organ or like going nuts. And just that feeling of, uh, that pump up music, even though it is Italian yeah. from an old man in a basement, it still pumps you up. And I think I still get that feeling when we right. write our own music. It's, it's really interesting, Joe, that you, you, you mentioned that And it. I have, uh, access to all of the Italian channels. <laughs> like I, I have this, this good stuff on, I there. have this device, um, that, that I, I just won't go into it, but, but I get a lot of TV from a lot of places. And I think the Italians, I have about eight dedicated channels to variety to musical <laughs> variety yeah. it's incredible how much music they put out and they they really have like a broad spectrum of music that they put out so so that's mm -hmm. obviously a big part of the culture right uh, music is huge in italian culture if you don't know how to play an instrument you're almost like how, how do you not know like yeah. how do you not know how to play the accordion or yeah. like if you're not picking up a tambourine like come on yeah, <laughs> yeah like you got to be know. involved i think so and Jake, we're <laughs> macedonian and obviously i'm half macedonian and half lebanese so yeah. you really get some nice you know there's some diverse culture, culture there <laughs> yeah. and at lebanese weddings you do a dance called the dubka and it's high energy and people are banging this huge drum yeah. and they're doing this dance so <laughs> that spirit while admittedly it's very tough to capture that in its rawest form and channel into something that's American True. and palatable to the American mainstream. Yeah. But taking just little tidbits, we have a song called If I Leave Today and the bridge of that song after the second chorus, we throw in a nylon guitar and we play almost this, not to get too technical for the fans here, but this Arabic kind of sounding scale, but yeah. we do it in a way that still sounds like American rock and roll. So in that way, it actually does influence the way we write in little ways. <laughs> that's fascinating yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's, that's cool. a, yeah. So we're, we're now, you, you've released uh, the song Asshole, and maybe <laughs> before I get to that, that, that's a setup question for something else that I want to ask you. So, so talk about uh, where Asshole came from, the inspiration. Oh, yeah. You can oh, say your Uncle Larry. Larry. It's okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> 100%. I'm really mad at you. 150%. <laughs> Been uh, going up around, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So Asshole is interesting. You know, a lot of times, like I mentioned earlier, we pick up an instrument and we'll just start saying random words. And one thing while we were writing one day was, I'm an asshole, yeah, I'm an asshole. <laughs> the rest of the song was, like lyrically, none of it was cohesive. It was all about different stuff. We brought it to our producer, Marty, and said, what do you think of this? He said, I love the I'm an asshole part, and I think you should take that and make an entire song that. out of it. I said, oh, seriously? Let's go. So all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, let's just make this as sensational and ridiculous as possible. <laughs> so we just kept coming up with, Silly line to silly line. Nothing wrong with the text and the drive. Uh, won't say sorry. You can say it for me. Uh, suck my motherfucking dick. <laughs> All this crazy that, that shit. That is a line and, in the song. You know, I really think, and the, the thing that drove us to take that song to the finish line was it's a very sort of politically correct culture, and to the point where you know comedians are even getting it's called cancel culture, right? Yeah. yeah. They get canceled 
for making jokes, comedians can't go out there and entertain and, and speak freely. And I thought this could be a nice song. It's certainly an outlier song for Autumn yeah. Kings. We don't <laughs> usually make stuff like that. But to shake things up a little bit and have some fun and have something totally satirical, that was really the inspiration. For yeah, that. Totally. And we had, have we ever had more fun in the no, studio than even, making that song? In, never, never. Oh, <laughs> that's, God. that's The laughs and like... We were laughing the entire the time. The things we just let go. Oh, we said that some song, stupid. man. You, you told me about. I mean, one of the things that I, I found, like off the uh, outside of the podcast, you told me the story about the gym, mm. you know, in a in a not so great area of Detroit, where you guys oh, were doing. Oh, I, I actually wasn't there. Oh he was Jake was That's there. Brutal. That's brutal. Oh, we got sounds fun, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we had people were definitely packing in there. It was like I, I talked to the guy. I talked to the guy at the gym who was letting us in. I'm like, how's like uh, if we kept our guitars in the car? Is that okay? He's like yeah yeah you should be good it's just you got to be careful when you're out of the car and walking to the front door that's when like all the bad stuff happens I'm like, oh so in other words i'm walking into the gym and i have a risk of but no i mean like, we love detroit right we love it yeah, we caught absolutely. there right? yeah. but uh no these assholes just there's a lot of easter eggs in that song too where if you listen closely like some stuff that we're saying in the background the background is uh it's pretty funny it's an awesome song i've listened to it incessantly and it, it, it makes me laugh every time yeah. um and so i'm going to shift a little bit here so you made a parody i'll use the song as just sort of a springboard so you did a bit of a parody song or, or sort of just to goof around a bit sure. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. um, um you know blow off some steam from, so, uh, from from other things that you guys are doing day to day and so you have a you go back to your your cv of music or, or the, your all of your creativity throughout the years mm-hmm. and you know i couldn't get through this podcast or, or any conversation without re- referencing led zeppelin so i'm gonna I do it here and so i i, I I read and devour all things Led Zeppelin all the time. And I, I have awesome. it programmed into my phone, like when the news stories come up. So Robert Plant has said this a million times. He's the reason why you don't see any Led Zeppelin concerts. He said, I did something from the time I was 19 and it ended when I was 30. It was a project. I'm done with that project. And his body of work outside of Led Zeppelin is much bigger Mm-hmm. Much more critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Maybe hasn't sold as many records. He won a Grammy. Yeah, I think several of them with Alison Crow. I think several. Yeah, yeah. Of them, you know, somebody can do a fact check. Anderson Cooper, you can do a fact check. On <laughs> if it was Alison Krauss, um, that he won a couple of Grammys with, wow. and so he's got a big body of work. But he says, "Look, this project was eleven years long. I had a great time, but it's not going to define me." Mm. Autumn Kings, is it a project? Maybe it's an unfair question. Maybe you can't even answer it. You can tell me. Mm. Is it a project with a definite ending or something else? Mm. Is it? Mm. That's yeah. a that's a big... I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it may be too early to tell, but I, I see this band in my future, maybe speaking... I don't want to speak for everyone else, uh, through the long haul. I don't think it's a project it, itself. A part of my life, a huge part of my life, but to see an end to an Autumn Kings, I don't. I don't see that, I guess. I don't know if that, that answers your question. No, it, and I think this is what I was getting at. It was the tougher way of asking you, yeah. are there shiny things out there in the musical ether that intrigue you oh, outside okay. of sure. Autumn Kings? For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like I have a couple cuts with other artists that I write songs for, particularly songs that I'm writing music every day. So not every single thing I write is going to feel like it's a perfect match for something Autumn Kings does. Mm-hmm. 
I look that, at that as a side dish. That's something like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that whenever I have time. It's certainly not the priority. I'll say this much, and I've said it a couple years ago, and I'll say it again because I mean it 150%. I will never play in another band again. 150%. I have absolutely zero interest because I found T-Bart, we found Joe, and these are guys that we have, t- to me, just an uncomparable chemistry compared to other artists. So I have no interest in joining another band. I could see this band happening until we die. That is the goal. It's always been the goal. I hope it always will be. I will ultimately write for other artists still, and that's something that interests me for sure. Mm-hmm. But it would never be the priority to this. This is always the number one. Yeah, baby. that's that's Personally, a great way to answer it. You know, and yeah. other people are. I mean, I think we're such creative people to to say like just this project is the only thing we'll ever do. I mean, that, that isn't fair. I know Jake writes for other people and stuff like that, but uh, I think Autumn Kings uh, is around for a long time. Yeah. I, that's definitely safe yeah. to say. That's awesome, guys. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think that's a that's the appropriate way to uh, end things. Is a perfect note to to put a conclusion on this the maiden recording of the nitty gritty um thank you so much for for joining me today and helping me with this the immense help it was awesome our pleasure you know hopefully uh we'll get you guys i don't know where this thing is gonna go really (laughs) who knows uh i hope it i hope it does well if this was the only one fucking a if not (laughs) good and i'll just say it right now if somebody can help us book like vladimir putin or lady gaga for number two it'll only be two we'll just end we'll just end it right there (laughs) i think you got a hell of an interviewer voice persona so congrats again on the podcast i appreciate it thanks for having us on. thank you and uh you know i I think you know based here in southwestern ontario there's so many great stories Uh, you guys are just like a breath of fresh air and it's always things that intrigue me, I think, uh, there's nothing really special about me. Things that intrigue me intrigue a lot of people hustling, people that hustle, um, the backstory to all these. You know, I don't think because somebody's famous or achieved a status level in society that their story is any more interesting on a like-for-like basis than anybody else's. I think the people next door to you may have an incredible story. They just need a forum to tell it. And I think that was part of the reason why um, I wanted to do this. And hopefully we get to do a few more. Uh, And to all of you people and joe's one of them that that do podcasts on a regular basis joe do you want to plug your podcast check out the four below podcast on all your streaming services yeah that's my podcast awesome (laughs) so uh, i hope i did all of you people that do podcasts on a regular basis uh the proper i gave hope i gave you the proper respect you know um we're we're, fi- we're, fi- we're figuring things out here you know take it easy on the comments you know we're just trying to figure stuff out uh and again direct your hate mail to cnn okay that's all we got for you today uh thanks again guys